Hi folks, a shout out this week to Sharon Pask, who did a review of the Take On Board podcast. Thanks, Sharon. She says, gender pay gap episode, very informative session with Emma Ray. Thank you. Well, thank you, Sharon, for taking the time to do a review. We love to get reviews here. And thanks to Emma for doing that episode. Second announcement for this week. This week we're hearing from Kari Hatch. And listen right through to the end of the episode where she shares resources because not only does she share some resources in the episode itself, but sent me a voice memo afterwards with some additional ones. So there's some gold in there. Radio on with the show. Hello, everyone. Uh, a couple of announcements this week. Firstly, thank you, thank you, thank you to all of you who have been sharing the podcast with your friends and colleagues. And of course, a special welcome to those of you who are new to the Take On Board community. We're not just a podcast, we're a thriving, engaged community who love talking all things governance. So feel free to join us at an event or over in the Take On Board Facebook group. Events. So let me tell you about the next one. The next Take On Board event is a book club where we'll be discussing Leaders Who Ask, using strategies to connect deeply, lead fearlessly and achieve results that transform. It's written by the fabulous Corinne Armour, who you can also hear in episode 33. Super early bird pricing is on until the 30th of August. So there's a link in the show notes as well as a link to Corinne's episode. And if you're out walking, feel free to go to the website and you'll find all the links there. Last but not least, shout out of the week for this week goes to Margot Anderson. Margot says, a fabulous podcast that is both insightful and generous with its practical tips and references. An enjoyable and motivating listen. Thank you, Margot. It's so fabulous when I get to see people's reviews. So please go into your podcast app, rate, review, share all of the wonderful podcast things. So let's get on with the show, shall we? Welcome to the Take On Board podcast. I'd like to start by acknowledging that I am recording on the lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation and I pay my respects to Elders past, present and future. I also acknowledge and respect the continuation of cultural, spiritual and educational practice of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples. And I extend that respect to any First Nations people we might have here with us today. Being on a board can be an incredibly valuable, interesting and exciting experience. Yet it can also be lonely, challenging and, let's face it, pretty hard. So here at Take On Board, I'll bring you weekly tips, tricks and advice to help you navigate your way onto a board, onto your next board and to build your governance wisdom. Now, on with the show. Today on the Take On Board podcast, I'm speaking with Cynthia Marnie about emotional capital reports and how they might be of value in the boardroom. First, let me tell you about Synth. Cynthia was previously on the boards of Australasia Pacific Extension Network, APEN, and North East Rural Financial Counselling Service. <laughs> she says her first board was North East Ag Care way back in the mid-1990s. Today, Synth is a facilitator, coach, mentor, speaker and author with a passion for personal disruption, neuroscience, positive psychology, courageous conversations, human performance and well-being. 
Her mantra, taken from the latest neuroscience research, is that happier people are higher performing, and she strives to help leaders and teams achieve this in the workplace. Her first book, Cultivate, How Neuroscience and Wellbeing Support Rural Leaders to Thrive, helps leaders understand how to use the latest brain science and positive psychology and add to their toolkits with practical ways to thrive in our modern world that is full of disruption and change. Through her business, Cynthia has created a way to combine her entrepreneurial spirit with her passion for developing people to be their best and her skills and talent in facilitation. Her journey of self-discovery, along with her empathy, authenticity and commitment to courage, growth and self-leadership, enable her to help people, teams and organisations make positive change and achieve professional and personal success. Welcome to the Take On Board podcast, Cynthia. Thank you so much, Helia. It is fantastic to be here and hello, everyone listening. It's so exciting to have you here and um. I love your introduction, actually, even though I've just done it. It is so Cynthia. So awesome. Now, today we are going to talk about emotional capital reports. But before we do that, as always, I would love to dig a little bit deeper about you. Can you tell me about your upbringing and what lessons you learned, what you got up to and what the leading influences were on how you thought and what you did? Thanks, Helia. Well, I grew up in northeast Victoria in the beautiful rose city of Benalla, which is about two and a quarter hours up the Hume Highway. I was really lucky. I was reflecting on this as I took my little dog Alfie around the block earlier today. And I was so fortunate to have a really happy, uncomplicated childhood in country Victoria, basically in the 80s. You went out in the morning on your bike and then you didn't come home again until it was dark. And I actually used to say to mum, I don't know what you and dad did with parenting because (laughs) we just used to go off in our little gangs on our bikes and uh, look after our free range, really. Mm. So there was just a lot of sport. So badminton, which I still can't believe I played badminton, but um, really tennis in the summer and netball in the winter. We had a swimming pool, so swimming was a really big part of growing up. And we had a very small family. Mum and dad were only children, so we we were a close little family, me and my two brothers, and just great friends. And education was really important in our family. So we were brought up in the Catholic system and um, St. Joey's and FCJ College in Benalla. And so it was just church on Sundays, community around, and dad was the manager of the local Department of Agriculture office. So he was, it's really different to what work is like now, but we grew up with everyone in the office coming around to our place for dinner. Any new person that came to the office, dad would have them around for dinner. They would meet the whole family. I think my earliest memory is of a Department of Ag Christmas party. So we just had all of these great people around. Dad was a really fantastic people manager and he recruited the most dynamic, creative, talented team around him. And so my childhood was full of interesting people who 
were intellectual with like they were scientists but then they also had a bit of flair and go about them as well because they were also a lot involved in community engagement and working with farmers in the community so I just recall a very a happy dynamic positive childhood um, with all of those influences on me but especially the influences of my of my mother and father Oh, Synth, that so tells the story a bit about you, doesn't it? Like, you know, when you said scientists with a bit of flair and go in them, I thought, hmm, that (laughs) sounds a little like the person standing right in front of me right now. You know, a love of learning, a great people person and just a bit of that creativity and flair. Clearly that's had an impact on you because that's exactly the sorts of things I would say to describe you. Oh, thank yeah. you. Thank you, Helly. But <laughs> they were like, D- Dad is a, mm, he's, he's a very funny man, my father. But his biggest, he was a really, like I said, really terrific, caring leader, but who also was made people accountable as well. Mm-hmm. He could be a little bit scary, I think, but he really wanted talented people around him. And he also was there were rules in the public service, obviously, but dad always found a way, you know, they were guidelines. And so (laughs) if there was a way, if there was a way around them to get to a really good outcome, he would find a way. And that's been very influential on me. And then my mother, I was thinking about mum and dad, and they're both very, just very happy people in themselves. Mm. And I just had unconditional love growing up when you've got that foundation of unconditional love from both your parents, I never take that for granted because I just think it's such a gift and a huge foundation for being able to live your life and express yourself to the fullest. And, uh, you know, I've had so many insecurities under over my life and, you know, hang-ups and challenges and it was mum and dad just sort of never got it because they were just so, oh, really? why are you so worried about where you're headed in life? Everything just sort of works out, you know? So on one hand, I've got all these neuroses and I still think I don't know where they came from because (laughs) mum and dad were just not like that at all. But on the other hand, as I've got older, I can, you know, really appreciate that mum and dad being very strong in themselves and Mm -hmm. being happy with the people that they are has really enabled me to grow into myself, I think, as I've got older. Yeah, it's interesting having that, yeah, the strong foundation that being wrapped in love allows you to really fully explore. And I even love love how you described your dad there about he was a caring leader and he made people accountable, which I'm going to use as my segue for the conversation today because the emotional capital reports, I'm going to get you to explain what they are in a moment, but as I understand it, it's around that emotional intelligence so you can get the best out of yourself and out of others. Having that balance of caring and direct accountability that is key if you you can do that really well if you've got strong emotional intelligence maybe you need to use the tool on your dad actually I'd be fascinated to see what comes there anyway tell us emotional capital reports what are they talk us through what they are yeah so I came across this through fire up coaching where you and I how you did our coaching foundational coaching training So the marvellous Kath McKenzie and Deidre Dottoli and the team there. But they've brought this emotional capital report into Australia and are currently undertaking programs to train the trainer. So I was lucky enough to attend one of those. So I was 
really drawn to this tool because I think that the ability to manage ourselves and also to manage the emotional needs and respond to the emotional needs of others effectively, it's always been key, but it's even more key now, environment in which we're operating. So not telling any of the listeners anything, but prolonged uncertainty, everyone I speak to is exhausted. I feel like there's just a lot of people, Helia, who really need a lot right now. In, in, yeah. and they're in need of nurturing and of just of care that's yep. what I, I'm just overwhelmed with just this sense of the care that people need really are crying out for right now and so that's that whole thing of, of the workplace being not transactional but relational yeah. and that's what people are really looking out for they don't want to come to work and just check in and do something for you that they want something back in return and that's usually to feel valued and cared about and so I just wrote a little newsletter the other day and I was like you know when the going gets tough and then I was like no it's not the tough get going it's actually leaders get caring more caring when the going gets tough like it is now so I just really thought this is a tool for the times because people are leaving jobs they're really trying to think about their values labor's hard to get it's hard to keep uh and and like I said all this change and disruption that we're managing that ability of a leader to really look after themselves and being able to manage themselves effectively when they are also exhausted and stretched so to keep yourself together but then also to still have the bandwidth to be caring about other people is mm-hmm. so important. And I was working with a, a group of leaders and they talked about, they said, we've got to be aware of post-COVID slippage. Mm. And they said that when COVID first started, we as leaders in our organisation were so caring. We like were checking in with staff yes. all the time. We were really empathetic. We really understood, don't worry, you've got to manage yourselves and manage your family and just look after yourself and do whatever you need. And he said, and I've just noticed recently that I think there's been some post-COVID slippage where we're actually not as empathetic anymore and we are doing a bit of the eye roll and a little bit of the, oh, come on. And he Mm -hmm. said, it's it's not time for that yet. We still have to have that same level of checking in care and empathy that we had right back at the beginning. But as everyone's emotional bandwidth is being eaten into that's that's harder and harder so this emotional capital report it's a a tool that's used to analyze your leadership capability as it relates to emotional intelligence it's got 10 key components to it Mm -hmm. and these components have been by research empirically linked to the behaviour of successful leaders. The tool's been normed on high-performing leaders Mm -hmm. as opposed to the general population, Ah, which I find really interesting. Right. It was normed using a couple of different groups, but one of those groups was Leadership Victoria, their Williamson program. Right. So the... So therefore, the the standard in it is quite high. Mm -hmm. So it's about 
leadership success, understanding your strengths in particular areas and also what are your development opportunities. And there are 10 critical factors and there's three that are related to, to your inner focus. So these are competencies that enable you to develop your leadership presence and communicate authentically and openly. Those clusters of competencies are self-confidence, self-reliance, self-control and self-knowing. So that's kind of about what's going on within you and, and understanding yourself. And then there's a second group of competencies that are about you facing outward to the world. And that's these competencies enable you to take on new challenges and respond creatively and effectively to new opportunities. And they also enable you to focus on what's really important in your life and particularly well-being. Mm -hmm. And in a lot of the work that I've done, link of well-being to decision-making and leadership performance is huge. So yeah. this outer focus, these competencies are really important and they are optimism, mm -hmm. self-actualization, and adaptability. Yeah. And then there's a third group of leadership competencies around emotional intelligence and these competencies are what they call other focus so they're actually about how skilled are you at grasping the emotional dimensions of a business situation and enhancing your capacity to influence others to achieve productive outcomes so it's not all about you, which the inner and outer focus is. This other focus is actually about your ability to interrelate with others and get you and them working together in order to achieve something that's great for both of you. And those three competencies are relationship skills, empathy and straightforwardness. Interesting. Oh, my God. I want to do this. I know we had a little play. You know, you and I were both introduced to this tool at well, as you mentioned, Kathy McKenzie and Fire Up earlier at the Fire Up conference earlier this year. And I was instantly attracted to it then. It just sounds like such a useful tool to play with. And the more you're talking me through it, the more fun it sounds in terms of just your own self-awareness, but also that group dynamics as well, which is... So it assesses, you know, those three, I probably won't get the terminology right here, but the three different domains and the things that fall under those domains. I can see that that would be incredibly useful for yourself. It's like a guidebook to yourself, really. And I can see that done in a group format, it might be useful for understanding each other. But for that first part, tell me, when people get their report, so they do an assessment and then they get their report, how do people then use it as that little guidebook to themselves? How is that? How do they use it? So it's really great because it's actually, rather than just the diagnostic, it's actually a transformational and development tool. Mm -hmm. So if you just did it on yourself, the self-assessment is that kind of how aware are you of yourself and what are your intentions around these behaviours? Like how would you like to behave? It's really simple. There's not heaps of questions. So it actually only takes about 10 minutes to do. It's not hugely complicated, but it's been grounded in so much research that they've they've had really long questionnaires and over the over the development they nutted it down and nutted it down until they could do the least amount of questions that still got the same answers. Mm -hmm. So they wanted to make it really simple to use the people who developed it, Roche Martin. 
So you get your report and it comes out in with the 10 factors and then it's got what's a development need. There's a scale, development yep. need, development opportunity, all the way up to a signature strength. It gives you a scale. Yep. And so, and it's it's in a bar format. Yep. So very clearly you get the 10 competencies and you can see where your bar is along the range from a development, real development need to a signature strength. Yep. And so then you and then you coach someone using questions like what do you notice what stands out to you are there any surprises blah 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 but the tool also comes with some coaching strategies as well so they've also done the research into what sort of coaching strategies would assist a person develop this particular competency more so of course that it's all related to the neuroplasticity that getting getting us out of our default behaviours by focusing on development areas and trying new things that then create those new neural pathways in order for us to change. So that's one opportunity. And then the second opportunity is that there's a 360-degree version as well, and that's where you get um, the opportunity to ask a manager, some peers, some direct reports and, and others as well. And so breaks it down into what your score self-assessment was compared to, and it does, the manager, the direct reports, the peers, so you can see the four different areas. And in one example, there was a guy who was, his self-assessment was quite high, his score, and that correlated to his manager's view of him. Mm. But then his direct reports and his peers, their assessment was significantly lower than, so the question would be, what's going on there? Who's the real Jack? Because mm. your manager's getting a certain version of you that correlates to you, but then your direct reports and peers are getting a really different picture. Mm. Um, and it goes through all the 10 competencies and it unpacks what collectively was the feedback, but also, again, in each of those different groups, what was the, the breakdown of the feedback? The other, other good thing is that it does a little bit of a report it asks for verbatim comments, but it, the, I like the way it's done because it says, what are the strengths of this person? And then it also says, where do you think this person could develop and what would be the benefits of them doing so? And I really like that because you can't just open fire on someone with yeah. no, without any backup. Yes. You actually yes. Through, if this person did this, then the beneficial impact would be blah, would be that. And so for this guy, he'd been a, a lone ranger, been in, in marketing and de- develop product development. So he'd been a high performer on his own and he was then asked to manage a team. And so some of the feedback was Jack could really, if he was able to delegate more, that would mean that he'd be less stressed and it would because that and that impacts on the rest of us and the team would function more effectively. So the feedback's very, it's kind and it's also useful because it it says the positive impact would be blah. So that's really good. That is very powerful. And I'm thinking all of that, that three, whether it's done individually or 360, I'm thinking about for the boardroom, individually that would be of value to people. Did you talk through when you did the accreditation in this, how it can be used in groups as well? Like I'm wondering, like what if the whole board, did this tool and they all 360'd each other 
with or without the executive team or the whole executive team, you know, done in that group format, that would be, I imagine, incredibly powerful. Yeah. So there are two ways of doing it. There's a debrief where everyone does it individually and then the group comes together and as a group, you debrief your profile as you go along in the workshop. So the questions would be, okay, everyone, take a moment, look at your profile, blah, 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 blah. Yes. And then obviously you can get people to chat and, you know, what stood out and, you know, where was your highest, where was your lowest, obviously in a safe way, people don't feel threatened. Uh, And then as a group, the group itself can do the assessment and then it comes out as a group profile. It's all correlated together. So we can say as a group, this is what we generally look like. Interesting. Workshop around that too. And I would imagine, I mean, we've talked on on the Take On Board podcast, we've often talked about psychological safety in the boardroom, uh, emotional intelligence, these things that make such a difference, and particularly for the chair, but for everybody in the boardroom, they make such a difference for constructive conversations and those those really robust that's the word I'm after robust conversations and that's what a board is about if a board can't have a robust conversation then they're not going to be able to give the best advice or best input or whatever it may be to the organization a I would imagine that any board that decided to do this as a group that probably means there's already a bit more emotional intelligence amongst that group because they've decided to do it and And the process of going through it would give them signposts both individually and as a group as to how they can even better have those robust conversations. Yeah, and and I think it's it's like all self-awareness activities. Self-awareness is of two components. It's it's of what you know of yourself and how aware are you of what goes on within you. But then the second part of that is how aware are you of how you are experienced by others? And so the 360 in particular, it gives you not just, they say, you know, what's your intention and what's your, what do you intend with your emotional intelligence and, and your understanding of yourself, but it actually gives really clear feedback as to how others are experiencing how you operationalise your intentions. So what's your intention around straightforwardness? You might be very straightforward, but then when you go to be straightforward, how do others see that? Yes. And then the interplay between the different critical factors. So if you were had a high score of straightforwardness, And you also had a low score of empathy, relationship skills, then your straightforwardness might be experienced quite differently. Yes. um, Yes. Because you're lacking the empathy and and the relationship skills. It makes me think of that Kim Scott's radical candor framework about communicating directly and caring deeply. And it only works when you've got both of those factors at play. So it exactly right. And so this this whole emotional capital, like it's called emotional capital, because it's a a set of emotional and social skills that are most effective at influencing others. Yes, I think that's the key. Like often, you know, we all know this leadership's not about yourself. Yeah, it is about your your ability to mobilize and support and engage others, and that's what yeah. this is measuring. This is measuring your leadership ability to do that. With the emotions, 
the leadership's the byproduct of emotions like self-confidence, optimism, independence and enthusiasm. And emotions and associated behaviours can be developed. So what are these, these 10 criteria that the research has shown really effective leaders possess around emotional intelligence that then makes them high in emotional capital? And, and I was thinking about this, Hell You Too. I, I just, can I tell a little story? Oh, please. That I worked with. So in the pandemic with a board and I was facilitating a planning session for them. And there was a woman, young woman on the board who is a really terrific, she's a terrific leader. And as I was thinking about her style and I was looking at the competencies and I was thinking oh this is would be so helpful for her so we had we were having a discussion and I could sense that she was very annoyed so we were on zoom she was looking down she wasn't engaged she had a really angry look on her face and I said to her oh how are you at the moment is there anything that you'd like to say and she let it rip And she started to say, I don't know where we're going with this and uh, blah, blah, blah. And then she said, and to the chair, don't get passive aggressive with me. Don't interrupt me as I'm speaking. You always do this. You interrupt me and try to shut me down. And I was sitting there thinking he didn't actually say anything, but you just really um, disempowered him and now he can't actually say anything. And she went on and as the facilitator, I actually afterwards apologised to the chair because I was really shocked and I I didn't quite know what to do. And I didn't have Mm. the relationship. I'd only worked with them um, Mm. just on this project. So I didn't have the relationship to say that was inappropriate. We hadn't talked about behaviours at that stage and no one else on the board pulled her up. Yeah, yeah. Want to be the school teacher, but when I was looking through these ten competencies, I thought she just could be such an amazing leader because she's got really great self straightforwardness and yes. she's got really high confidence. But the relationship skills weren't high, so she blew yes. up the board. Part of the relationship skills are about empowering other people yes. and about empathy and mutuality. And so she shut them down. She didn't have those dimensions to her practice. And she also, I love self-control because that's something that I'm not great at either. And she didn't have self-control, so she didn't manage her own state very effectively. Yeah, so I think she had a really good outer focus, like she's optimistic, she self-actualizes and she's very adaptable, Mm. but she didn't have a good other focus which is all about those other people and the relationships the empathy and being able to with straightforwardness straightforwardness is actually assertiveness self-control and acknowledging others and so I think obviously assertiveness high but the two other components were self-control and acknowledging others and then I I think she probably had in her inner focus self-confidence and self-reliance but lacked also self-knowing So for her, I just think, oh, I'd love to coach you on this because I can really see that, yeah, her emotional intelligence, it's high in some aspects, 
and it's low in others and that really in terms of that emotional capital mm-hmm. of then being able to mobilize others and work together for the common good that's her area of improvement interesting and you know you see these things play out in the boardroom all the time uh in various guises it might be that one someone who's very straightforward but perhaps lacking a bit on the empathy side you even sometimes I think see it the other side people who are relational and empathetic and not as straightforward as they could be it's yeah I could just totally see how this could be of value to individuals in the boardroom and to boards as a whole and to executive teams and boards and executive teams together, like all of those levels. Like, And at the moment I'm coaching, I'm coaching a, a new leader, so he's just been appointed to an executive role and the feedback from his manager is he wanted him to have some coaching because he needs to be clearer and more confident in his communication at an executive level. Mm-hmm. So we'll be using this tool to work on some of those I think the self-confidence the self-reliance self-actualization some of those points to help him really step into his power as a leader yes fantastic oh Cynthia great so many wonderful things in here what are the key things you want people to take away from the conversation that we've had today the key things are that we require a new type of leadership mm. now. So I love Marshall Gold, world-renowned executive coach, who says what got us here won't get us there. Yes. And so I think a lot of those old leadership styles, the very command and control, and we, I mean, we all know that. We all know that they're not fit for purpose anymore. They were, they were good and they were what we knew, but we require radical I think, radical care, radical empathy for ourselves and others. Mm. And I think this tool will give leaders a really great insight into their capability in this area. Even for people that have done a lot of work on emotional intelligence, I think there's always new ways of looking at emotional intelligence and to keep growing and keep reflecting. And one of the great quotes that Deidre Tolly, who trained us in this tool, said, we know what we need to do, but do we do what we know we need to do? And I think that's, that's this tool, again, giving that feedback from others about, and often when we're busy and stressed, we go to our default and we just lose touch with how we're being experienced by other people. And there's a lot of work also done by Michelle McQuaid that says self-awareness actually has uh, an inverse relationship to status and power. Mm. The higher you get up, the less self-aware you actually are. And she also Mm -hmm. says that leaders at the moment and a lot of other studies have been reporting this as well, Microsoft's done some big studies in Gallup, that in particular leaders are really disconnected with the experience of their staff on the ground. Mm. And they have more autonomy and they have more understanding of what's going on at a strategic level their well-being the research has found their well-being is higher than that of their staff they take leave Mm -hmm. Um, I've got staff people I know at the moment who can't take leave because it'll be too stressful yeah and yes so there is a disconnect with how leaders and leaders can say I've worked with leaders who have said my staff are whingers and they actually have 
just don't have the empathy anymore because they don't have the same experience at work as their staff who are on the ground. Yeah. The other piece of research that Michelle McQuaid reported was that leaders who care get way more out of their staff, which, again, we know, but leaders think that they show care for their employees a lot more than their employees actually think they do. Yeah. So the message for leaders is that you cannot show your care to your employees too often. And if you think that you're doing it too often, the feedback from the research is that you won't be doing it too often. Your staff don't think you're doing it enough. Yeah. So just with these with these times at the moment and the pressure that everyone is under, that leaders, that is your role. That is your primary role to connect in with your people and to productively be able to connect to and manage their emotions productively and a tool like this can really help you understand what are your strengths and also what are the opportunities for for growth and development so that you can be even more effective for yourself and for others in your organization oh fantastic So I always ask about a resource. Now, we've talked about a resource for the whole session here, that one of the resources is the Emotional Capital Reports. Is there another resource or resources you would like to share with the Take On Board community? Uh, I'd love to. So one of my favourite books is a woman in her Mm -hmm. 50s, early, early 50s. I read Glennon Doyle's Untamed, or I first actually heard Glennon being interviewed by Brene Brown on what Brene's podcast. And I get her book out every so often and just read the first story about Tabitha the Cheetah, for those of you who have read it. And I actually feel so alive and also wanting to vomit at the same time. It's it's so confronting this notion of people being tamed by their environment and just accepting that they don't have a right to lead a big life or not a big life, just a life that gives them meaning and purpose. And you know that, that, oh, well, I should be happy. I've got enough. I should be happy. And I, I just, so I love Glennon Doyle's work in challenging us to examine the system that we've been brought up in our expectations for ourselves, our expectations of women and that it's actually really okay to be your full awesome self and that actually you owe it to yourself, you owe it to your children, you owe it to those who love you, you owe it to everyone to just be your beautiful self. Mm. So I love Glennon's work around that. I also did some work recently with young farming champions who are young people in agriculture who are really awesome, brought together mm. by amazing Lynn Strong. And she had a terrific resource that I actually have read and then did a little session for the group by Alexandra Carter, and it's called Ask for More, and it's around negotiation. And I really have to work hard at negotiation, even though I'm in my own business, so I'm doing that stuff all the time. But she gives just a really terrific framework that's very um, practical on the work that you can do before a negotiation to really look she says look in the mirror first Mm. so and she's got a few questions just to look in the mirror first and one of the really important things is acknowledging your own emotions and 
because that if you don't, if you're undertaking a negotiation, they will pop up if you haven't kind of acknowledged and processed them. And then she also says, so you look in the mirror before you then look out the window, which is about the other person. And I found that a really valuable resource. Fantastic. Well, look, we'll make sure we put links to all of this in the show notes. So obviously to the Emotional Capital Reports, to your book, Cultivate, which I know will be of value to people as well. Uh, Can I talk to- just a quick, very quickly about that? Sure. Cultivate. So I, I wrote my book Cultivate last year, released it just in December, and I started writing it about high performance because I thought that was the holy grail, that we all should be aiming to be high performers. And during COVID, I spoke to a group of leaders from the dairy industry and they were all absolutely exhausted. And I just got this, just this real whack in the face that high performance, what a, we can't be high performing all the time. This is just yeah. ridiculous. Yeah. So I threw out what I was going to do and changed the book because uh, I've always been really interested in well-being and its relation to performance and all the neuroscience that says if people's well-being is great, they will perform better they'll actually be in a better brain state to perform better. So I ended up writing this book and it was, it's got three main components about how do you cultivate yourself and Mm. look after yourself as a leader? Because that's really important. How do you be a cultivating leader? And I think that's all the things we've just been talking about, about that leader who nurtures and grows and that whole thing of cultivation of growing and nurturing other people and then how how do we think about our cultures so that they're cultivated cultures not burnout cultures and it it was related to the whole I loved the cultivation thing because as humans we are going to go through winter spring summer and autumn we can't Mm. be awesome all the time we're going to have times where we're a bit you know we need to rest and we need to recuperate and and so just this notion of performance at work as a human process not as a mechanical engineering thing of we've got to be perfect all the time yes um so that's the essence of my book and it's written uh for rural leaders because there are a few special things about rural leaders but really the content will help any leader think more about this whole notion of leading and living in a cultivating way not a high performance way Yes, which connects also to the tool that we've just talked about, like it all fits together. Yeah, fabulous. Oh, Cynthia, thank you. Uh, It's been so fabulous to talk through this tool with you. Uh, I can't remember if I said this earlier. I've booked in now to get myself accredited with it as well. So that's sometime coming up at the end of the year. I can't quite remember when. So I look forward to comparing notes with you again once I've done my own accreditation in how the tool comes together. But thanks so much for coming and sharing your wisdom and your insights about Emotional Capital Reports with the uh, Take On Board community today. Thank you, Helia. And thank you, everyone out there in podcast land. It's been really lovely to connect and chat with you today. So that's a wrap for the Take On Board podcast today. Thank you so much for being here and being part of the Take On Board community. I do this podcast because I love bringing good women together. So I invite you to join us over in the Take On Board Facebook group, an active group that helps, supports and cheer squads each other. Just search Take On Board in Facebook to find us. I'd really love it if you could also do some of the other podcast things. 
Share with someone you know who might get some value from our discussions. Subscribe if you haven't already. And, well, I also really love it when people rate and review. Thanks again for being part of the Take On Board community. Now go and put these tips, tricks and advice into action so you can be your best in the boardroom.